it's all yours. Okay. Well, good morning again, or evening, or afternoon. I'd like to thank uh, Kishore Krishna for uh, um, organizing this uh, retreat. He had, of course, initially idea of doing it at Sargali, but the uh, the virus uh, got got in the way, so to speak, and so here we are doing it online and. Uh, and Padmanabh Swami was visiting the area of, of Sharanagati, so um, he, apparently he's been involved. I don't know um, what subjects he covered. I think he lectured at least once, maybe more during the retreat. I'm not sure. I've never been to a Joppa retreat before. <laughs> so I'm not sure what, uh, what they involve. Uh, but um, I'll try to say a few, a few words about Japa. Um, it's of course very important. Um, once I was asked by a God brother, what, how did I make so much advancement in spiritual life? Which is, of course, there's some generosity built into the question in my estimation, but um, I reflected for a moment and uh, I replied to him from Japa. Hmm. So uh, it's been my experience that uh, that uh, paying attention to, to, to the japa and giving it one's, one's heart, so to speak, is uh, very um, efficacious. <clears throat> Recently, um, a devotee asked me a question. Um, well, uh, he's about associating with me or something like that getting some time with me and I asked him, I believe I asked him, um, how was his japa? And <laughs> he admitted that he had kind of fallen off on his japa. And I said, well, how, what can I do for you if you don't give your heart to, to the chanting of japa? Um, we, of course, in, in Bodhi Vaishnavas make a, a commitment to, to japa in terms of a number of, of rounds and so forth. And um, the spirit behind that um, is the, the vrata, the vow, particularly the, the vow uh, with regard to our faith, the eligibility for bhakti, corresponding with sharanagati and uh, sharanagati being kind of the outward expression or evidence of one's faith, it's it's sixfold, and uh, one aspect of that sharanagati is is accepting what's favorable to bhakti, rejecting what's favorable. The mood behind that um, aspect of sharanagati is a commitment, a promise. Bhakti speaks of it, uh, a vow. So um, we we accept a vow to to chant you know so many names um, on a consistent basis and so forth and uh, you know if, if we if we are not uh, uh, attentive to that and uh, our commitment is not uh, upheld well to what extent are we a sharanaga to what 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 is the measure of our faith and. Um, how eligible are we even to tread the path? So it's very important. Um, and I, as the young man, took it very, very seriously. Sit down. I mean, the whole idea is to sit down and 
concentrate. <laughs> um, people's minds wander, of course, and that's a problem, but um, your mind much reflects or follows your heart. So wherever your heart is, that's where your mind will go. So if you, if you were the heartfelt way, which is what Prabhupada always recommended, give yourself to the name, Japa, then the mind um, should follow. Hmm? So it's, a, it's, it's really not a tongue exercise or an ear exercise, but, but a heart exercise properly understood. Um, so a few words there. Uh, that said, uh, more technically speaking, uh, of course, the term uh, Japa, it, uh, it appears in the Gita where Krishna says um, that among sacrifices, I am Japa. Hmm? So uh, it's, 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 it's been made a central focus of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, uh, teaching and appropriately so. The word Japa comes from the verbal root uh, Jop, which, which means to utter repeatedly. Um, and um, of course, with reference to, to a mantra, or in this case, Nam, Nam Japa. Um, and it's a practice that uh, is quite uh, uh, widespread, so to speak. I mean, beyond Gaudiya Vaishnavism, obviously, it has a role in other forms of Vaishnavism and outside of Vaishnavism, in Buddhism and Christianity and in, in Islamic faith and so forth. There's um, uh, uh, something or expressions of what, what would we would refer to as Japa, the Christian rosary. Muslims have, I think, 99 names of God. They have beads that they chant them on and so on and so forth. So it's uh, quite a widespread uh, practice. And, um, and that practice being to utter uh, repeatedly sound, the name of God, a sacred sound, Again, in our case, it's, it's uh, names of God. Um, within, within um, just etymologically speaking, within the, the word japa, also we have ja and pa, which uh, ja means, means birth and pa means impiety. And so the implication is that by the repeated utterance, in this case of the name of God, birth, which is a problem, will be overcome and any impiety or sin, papa, as well. So um, built into the name is the, the power that the utterance um, uh, uh, the performance of Chapa has within it in, inherently. Um, there are, of course, different, um, different types of Chapa Within in our own tradition, uh, that means that uh, it can be, it can, there are four types. It can be done verbally, it can be done inaudibly to others, but audible to oneself, uh, more or less a, a, a whisper, and it can be done mentally, and it can also be done um, likita or writing. So, there are Japa banks or libraries, maybe you want to call them. For example, in Vrindavan, uh, the 
probably most of the Western devotees don't know about, but um, there are uh, sadhus and uh, quite a number of serious and usually elderly householders that will log into the to the Japa bank and then um, write out the Mahamantra for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a powerful uh, form of japa. You might uh, you might try it. It's it 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 um, may be helpful in terms of um, resting uh, the mind. Mm-hmm. Write the Hare Krishna mantra out a thousand times, or uh, the equivalent of the number of, of rounds that you've committed to, and so forth. Um, it uh, otherwise, uh, again, technically, um, the well, well, within that, within the four forms, at least, we 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 know that um, that it's well, it's said that Hari Dastaka, we know that he chanted uh, three hundred thousand names. That's uh, or, or what is it three three hundred three lakhs? So you know, of 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 rounds and. Um, Sometimes it's reasoned thought or the oral tradition uh, tells us that he did three rounds or or one lakh out loud verbally, one uh, whispering and one mentally. Sometimes the devotees ask which is best. And of course, sometimes it's described verbally uh, is exceeded in excellence by whispering, which is exceeded by, by, by mental job. There's different ways to look at that. All that means, that particular way of evaluating is that, is that um, the objective in the job is to have the mind absorbed. So if the mind is absorbed, well, they're successful and you can do mental japa. But uh, of course, the, 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 uh, there's also something to be said for chanting out loud because other people will also hear and, and benefit, be benefited thereby. And if you benefit others, then or see your benefited. Um, so there's different ways to look at that. And um, 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 if the japa is mental, then it becomes a sub-anga of the principal anga smarnam. Hmm? Among the principal angas or limbs of bhakti, smarnam and Shravanam and Kirtanam, medita- hear- meditation, hearing, and chanting are, are primary. Archan also. Um, um, but uh, the Bhagavatam emphasizes these three. So Japa can um, come under Smarnam when it's Manasik in the, in the mind, but when it's out, done out loud, Vajasik then uh, it becomes a sub-anga of kirtan. So because of the efficacy of kirtan, because of the play, the role of kirtan in Kali Yuga and so forth, then one can also make the argument that the best form of japa is vajasik, which means um, out loud. So there's different ways to think about that. Conclusively, this way is the way that works best for you. Hmm? Um, we find um, that uh, Rupa Goswami uh, gives a beautiful description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu chanting 
loudly, which I, uh, in his Chaitanyastakam, he describes uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as he is walking really from uh, Navdvip to Puri, which is something he didn't directly experience, but the descriptions of that must have come from Garadapan, from Nityanandapu, others who, who accompanied him on that journey. And uh, in, again, in Chaitanya Mastakam, he gives a beautiful description of him chanting loudly, the Maha Mantra, uh, describing him, it, of course, his, his arms extended to his knees, his eyes extending to his ears, practically. Um, extraordinary, uh, that is to say, bodily features. And from his mouth, uttering loudly the Hare Krishna mantra while keeping account on a uh, on a string around his tied around his waist consisting of knots so uh, counting on the knots uh, on on a string or on a rope or a piece of cloth um, and Vajrasik uh, loudly chanting the um, uh, the the uh, Maha Mantra, of course, was is um, the uh, not to discuss that to some, to some extent. The that which he chanted. Um, so again, there's some emphasis on on, on chanting um, out loud. Um, as far as counting goes, then typically, of course, as you know, there's 108 beads on the japa. Mala 109, but the 109th one is not chanted on. And uh, somebody might uh, ask, devotees have, uh, have asked at times, what is the meaning of 108 beads? And it's interesting that the, the number 108, as uh, cross culturally, is, is significant, especially in pre scientific uh, times. Um, there's any, I mean, there's paragraphs and paragraphs about it. Uh, significance of the number eight in different uh, religious and even secular um, traditions. Uh, but to name a few, uh, for example, in the Sanskrit languages consists of 54 uh, letters and each has a feminine and a masculine application. So um, 108 is thought of uh, as a significant number with regard to the Sanskrit alphabet and all that it uh, that it um, all the power that it has if you will and um, uh, it's thought of in the, in the Buddhist sect here's another interesting one that all all of the um, I want to say uh, uh, desires of uh, mortals is uh comes to 108 yeah yeah how you might think they're more than 108 desires but uh, the way the way they uh, arrive at that number is that uh, you take um the six senses including the mind and then you um uh, you multiply the that times um uh, times whether the, the pleasures that are, or feelings, let's say, um, that are pleasant, that are those that are unpleasant, and those that are 
neutral, so that you have your six times three, and then you multiply those to that number times two, which uh, the two represents external or internal uh, pleasures. And then if you multiply that number times, uh, times three, in terms of past, present, future, you get 108. So, <laughs> so it's uh, uh, another, another example of the significance of, of the number. Cosmologically, it's thought that the, uh, that the uh, sun, diameter of the sun is 108 times that of the earth. Um, the uh, diameter of the moon times 108 is the distance between the moon and the earth. Um, and so on. So uh, if you look at uh, mathematics and you want to arrive at the golden ratio, 108 degrees is, uh, is part of the uh, equation. And um, I there's many ways, but of course, again, I guess we could, could conclude with this, that, that death occurs at 108 degrees. <laughs> so uh, the 108 uh, beads on the, on the, on the, uh, on the mala, for Joppa, um, that can bring about um, an end to death and at least, and of course, if we go to go to Vaishnavism directly, as we should, then uh, typically the 108 beads have two uh, different meanings. Um, the most prominent meaning is that 108 beads represent 108 gopis. So the principal 108 gopis, and then there's Krishna bead, the 108 are dancing around with Krishna, so to speak. Um, and often then you find on the, on the mala, after eight beads, there'll be a marker, a marker, which represents within the eight, 108, eight principal gopis. Um, that's a very uh, prominent and Madhurya Rasa perspective. Talking about that once, um, Prabhupada said uh, that, that, the, that the mantra, um, the beads represent 108 gopis, but Krishna, he said, has a mala that represents 108 cows that he chants on. Um, he didn't elaborate, but I will for your benefit and my own. So <laughs> that's another way of thinking about them. And in that case, then the beads will be marked instead of after eight, after 12 with a marker representing the 12 principal associates of uh, Krishna Balaram in Sakirasa. Um, every day in the afternoon, upon uh, prior to returning home to the village, of course, then Krishna will take out his mala, and he has 108 different groups of cows. There are uh, white cows and uh, black cows and yellow cows, and red cows and um, 25 groups of white, 25 groups of yellow, 25 groups of black, 25 groups of red. So that together makes a hundred. And then there are eight different groups of speckled cows or other cows differently configured, sometimes described as whose heads are the shape of a, of a mudanga or um, the shape of more like shape of a lion. This way they are. 108 groups of cows, and Krishna calls the leader of 
you might not know that, but there's a leader in every herd of cows, a cow leader, not a bull leader. And recently, in recent times, we, we went to a dairy. There's a dairy, organic dairy, where we've gotten all, all of our cows here at Audaria. In recent times, we um, went to the dairy and we, to acquire a cow. We have a method uh, by looking at their uh, periods of lactation by which we determine which, which cow uh, to purchase. Um, looking for one that has a, has a, uh, a yield that is more uh, consistent rather than up and down, that, that, that one that uh, will extend over a longer period of time. We've been successful at finding such cows. One of our cows here, some of you may know Shamala, she's been milking for about four gallons a day for about 10 years. So, um, so at any rate, um, we looked at the records and we picked out a cow. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, the, uh, the dairyman said that that's the lead cow in the whole herd. She's the leader of the, of the whole herd. <laughs> so she's here. Her name is Aruni. Um, and quite, quite happy. So anyway, Krishna chants and calls the names on his beads of each of the groups of cows, and so they all uh, assemble. Then within that, each cow has a name. Of course, he knows the name of every, every single cow. So uh, sometimes in Sakiras, it's looked at in this way. The beads represent 108 groups of cows, and then amongst the cow herds, 12 of them are, are significant, the Dvaratsagopal, corresponding with the, the Astasakis. In oral tradition, you may know it's thought by some Vaishnavas, not everyone would agree with this, but that, but that the um, Astasakis, principal gopis, are all uh, relatives of Radha. That means that they are daughters of the brothers of Nanda Maharaj. And, and the Dwarasa Gopals are also all relatives of Radha being sons of the different uh, brothers of Nanda Maharaj's extended family. Um, so uh, that said, uh, <laughs> um, we go to the mantra itself, right? From some thoughts about, about, about Chapa as an exercise and some of the technical uh, details of, again, why we use beads and what the meaning of the Chapa is and so forth to the mantra itself. And um, of course we um, do the job of the Hare Krishna mantra and that uh, was recommended by Mahaprabhu, um, but it, the, the scriptural origin of that mantra is important to, uh, to think about. And of course it is found in one, I think the 103rd of the list of 108 Upanishads, the Kali Santarana Upanishad. So Kali, of course, refers to Kali Yuga, and the word Kali means hypocrisy and um, uh, contention, discord, strife, uh, as, as you well know. One may question, and I think somebody asked this last week, uh, Eric, I think, um, about Yuga cycles and uh, these uh, long, long periods of time as thought of um, in Hindu cosmology and how to think about that in relation to modern uh, understanding of time and, and, and human, humanity on earth and so on and so forth. So we, we discussed that. 
I also gave a point to the fact that I've dealt with it also in, uh, in uh, my book, uh, Sacred Preface. But um, aside from that, of course, it's difficult to argue with the idea that the quality of the time that we are presently experiencing is um, one of discord, uh, strife, argumentation, um, and uh, uh, leadership, if you will, that's uh, compromised and uh, lacking in character and the ability to um, inspire by example, and so forth, which is what Kali Yuga is about. So it's hard to argue that we don't live in a quality of time that the scripture speaks about with reference to the word uh, Kali, Kali Yuga. And so Kali Santarana, Santarana means to cross. So to completely cross over Upanishad. This is the Upanishad about how to completely cross over the uh, ocean of, of discord that, uh, that Kali Yuga constitutes. And uh, the, the question in that Upanishad uh, comes from Narada. Uh, and he asks his, his father, Brahma, what is the means to cross over the influence of Kali Yuga? And Brahma answers very, uh, a very particular, specific answer. He says, Iti sodasakam namna kalikamashanashanam. And he says, He says that uh, by the chanting of these 16 names, of course, it's three names, but Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, is 16, the utterance of 16 names in a particular uh, formula. And he says that by this, he said initially by, by Nam, Kirtan, and Nard asked for more detail. And so Brahma gave the detail, these 16 Name. So the Mahamantra, as it's referred to in other texts, in the Brahma Purana, the Brahmanda Purana, in the Agni Purana, also in a section connected with the Shiva Purana, uh, we find mention of the um, Hare Krishna Mantra, and, and in some of these texts, it's referred to as the Mahamantra. So uh, Brahma said, this uh, mantra in particular, consisting of 16 names, has efficacy in Kali Yuga for delivering. It's Taraka Brahma Nam, the Nam that delivers one Taraka Tara crosses over, helps us cross over the uh, ocean of birth and death and all the difficulties and distractions of Kali Yuga. And Sarvaveda Shudrishate, he says that this is supported by all the, all the scripture. Hmm? So from Brahma's perspective, there's a way of analyzing the scripture. And this is what the Goswamis did practically, um, such that uh, um, it all comes to not only bhakti, but kirtan and the kirtan of Krishna Nam. Hmm? Rupa Goswami has made this point uh, nicely and poetically in his Namastakam, where he describes the different illuminating sounds um, of the Upanishads, as jewels that cast off an effulgence of light. And um, if you follow the light of those jewels, they're all really pointing uh, with the veneration to the sound, the one sound of two syllables, Krishna, hmm? that, uh, that uh, 
who the utterance of which uh, far exceeds the result that can be derived from any of the vakyas, the great sounds of the Upanishads themselves. They are all in awe of that. They're all worshiping that. Um, um, the Vedanta Sutra and commentary of uh, then of that it seeks to demonstrate what the Upanishads are saying, that there's a concerted message there. Uh, because if you don't understand it properly, it may sound like it's talking about this and that and so many, just a, a jungle of sounds, Pujapachita Marsh once compared it to. So the sutras are meant to show that there's a concerted message being uh, uh, broadcast here. And our commentary on Vedanta Sutra as Gaudiya is, is the course the Govindavasya of Baladeva Jibhushan. And um, the concluding sutra is, what is that? Anabritihi um, uh, Shabdat. What is it? What is it again? Anabritihi Shabdat. Anabritihi Shabdat. Anabritihi Shabdat. Anabritihi Shabdat. So it's repeated twice that, um, that by the sound, one can uh, cross over, so to speak. Um, uh, and become free from uh, birth and death. And there's some theologizing then uh, as to uh, the idea that here the scripture is speaking about this sound, uh, the efficacy of, of Nam. Uh, so uh, really simplifying everything, if you will, bringing it down to one, one sound, hmm? Krishna Nam. In another way, Jiva Goswami has spoke about it in Jaiva Dharma, or excuse me, in uh, in uh, the Bhakti Sandarbha, and uh, he attributes a um, a verse that he cites to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without any further uh, reference, but uh, he says there, Shrotam Api Upanasharam Dure Harikatamrita, that um, Dure means far, where you can go with the uh, Krishna Nam, here we'll look at it like this. Um, is very far uh, and deeper in penetration into transcendence than you can, where you can arrive at by the sounds of the Upanishad. And then the second half of the verse speaks about the sattvika bhavas, weeping and revelation and fainting and, and so on and so forth, that are uh, characteristic really of the, um, the Brajbasis, the associates of Krishna. In, uh, in in Golok, in their extremist, most extreme uh, form. Um, so, uh, so, so from the Upanishad of Brahma, it's significant that we received, so to speak, our Diksha Mantra. We know the history of that. The Diksha Mantra is, the main Diksha Mantra of Gaudi Sampradaya is the Gopal Mantra, 18-syllable Krishna Mantra, sometimes referred to as the Gopal Mantra. And um, this uh, we got from Brahma, who got it from Krishna at the dawn of creation. It's described in the um, Gopal Tapa Upanishad, in the Bhagavatam, in the Brahma Samhita. Krishna, Krishna imparted this mantra to Brahma, initiated him. So that's our, our, our main mantra. Um, and here we find, so we got it from Brahma, so to speak. Sometimes we, we refer to our Sampradaya as the Brahma Sampradaya, Brahma to Madhva to Gaudiya to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, 
And uh, here we find we also get the Maha Mantra. Of course, Brahma's understanding of the implications and the farthest reach and efficacy of the Maha Mantra um, were later to be realized by him, but he did give it to Brahma, to Nard, and of course Nard is depicted as, as going everywhere and chanting uh, Krishna Nam, Nard Muni Bhajavina Radhika Ramana Nam, hey, wherever he goes. Um, so this is <laughs> this is a pretty um, well documented scripturally uh, practice that uh, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu drew from as his central main. Um, practice uh, and the method, if you will, as I sometimes say, uh, to his, uh, his madness. Um, we find that, uh, interestingly, that Brahma gave the mantra, but as I mentioned, um, he, it's, it took him time to realize the full measure of its, uh, its power and efficacy. And in the, in, in the course of his life, as described in the sacred texts, our particular Brahma, um, who's a devotee, um, he is brought by Krishna during the Prakat Leela, during his manifest Leela, to learn further about the implications of the mantra that he received at the dawn of creation and what it means to be a friend of Krishna in the fullest sense, because in the Bhagavatam in particular, it's described that, uh, that in the text itself, that Brahma sought a friendly relationship with Krishna. Sakyam, the term is versus used, um, which of course is not uh, a relationship that you can have with Narayan. The Purusha, Narayan appeared before Brahma, hmm? who is the source, the navel, his navel is the source of the lotus on which Brahma is born and coming in touch with his source, which was his, his pursuit, that he met the Purusha, Garbhadakshay uh, Vishnu in this case. And um, then the Purusha showed himself, or Krishna, whose expansion is the Purusha, showed himself before Brahma in Gopavesh, dressed as a Gopa. But there he was um, holding his, his hand with the Gyan Mudra and giving Upanishadic um, wisdom, gave him the Chatur Shlok, the four verses, gave him the mantra and so forth. Very much, uh, although in the dress of a goat coward, which is peculiar compared to Narayan, who is very regally dressed, opulent, um, and uh, awe-inspiring, rather than uh, you might miss him, <laughs> or wonder if you don't miss him because he's just dressed like a coward, you think, oh, there's a lower-class person, hmm? <laughs> um, an uneducated country bumpkin, so to speak. So um, there he was. But, but, but speaking wisely and holding his hand in the, in the Gyan Mudra and so forth. So... Um, what does it mean then to be a friend? Krishna had to show him at some point. Hmm? This was the, uh, the offer, so to speak, from Krishna who extended his hand, touched him, embraced him. Um, something you wouldn't expect from Narayan to come and uh, reach out, pat you on the head, or embrace you, or as Prabhupada explains it, shook hands with him. 
um, and again, uh, uh, gave him some scar for, um, for Sakyarasa. So Brahma was called then during the Brajalila by the omniscience of the coward Krishna in the midst of his mugda being uh, uh, on the surface, preoccupied with his friends and unaware of his omniscience. These two, his sweetness, his charm, his maduri, and his, and his omniscience are functioning at the same time. In Braj, the, the forgetfulness of his godhood is prominent, but it's not lost. So it surfaces that omni, omniscience at times that's useful for the leela in which many things are being accomplished. So one of the things being accomplished in Krishna leela hmm, is, is lessons for sadhakas. Hmm? It's a great blessing, right? So we can learn from the leela itself lessons that we, that we can apply in our own sadhana that we may then enter into the leela. Hmm? Um, and so in this context, the Brahma Vimohan leela has, in terms of the omniscience of Krishna, a, a lesson for the sadhaka Brahma. It's questioned in Raghavartva Chandrika of Vishwana Chakabitakur that if on the Raghmarg, which is the pursuit of, of the, the Vrindavan Leela to enter there, um, if our Godhead is absorbed in, in, in Leela, thinking himself a coward boy or uh, wondering how he can um, make a, a a connection with, with Radha and so absorbed in this way, by, overwhelmed by the preem of such devotees, how can he hear our prayers, sadhakas? Maybe we should pray to the Paramatma or so, so forth. So Vishwanath Chakapitaka explains that, no, as I said just, just, just moments before, the omniscience of Krishna doesn't disappear when he's overwhelmed by preem. It's there and it can hear the prayers of the sadhakas. So you have to think what kind of what kind of what does sadhana mean? Hmm? This is the, this is this is the your God is Krishna, hmm? and you want to attract his attention. Well, his attention is completely taken by by persons who who have a, are endowed with a special type of serving disposition that the gods are fascinated by, in awe of, hmm? in reverence of. And uh, so how are we going to get his, his attention? Well, you have to, again, you have to do your japa from the heart. Hmm? You have to give yourself entirely in the heart to, to the japa in terms of this aspect of our, our sadhana. You expect to get his attention, but it's possible because his omniscience is not, uh, hasn't disappeared. Hmm? It's still there. So, the omniscience is functioning in this Brahma Vimohan Leela in relation to the sadhana of Brahma. And now Brahma is being brought into the Leela kind of as an outsider to have a darshan, a view of this, um, and see the what is the nature characteristic of the Ashraya Lambana, to see the Vishaya Lambana and the Ashraya Lambana. See Krishna, the Vishayalamana, the object of Satyarasa, in full form. He was in Gopavesh when he gave the mantra, but now he's in dressed like a Gopa. Gopavesh means dressed like a Gopa, and he's acting like a Gopa. He's not 
holding his hand in the gyan mudra. In fact, he's holding rice and fruit in his left hand and, and putting it in the mouth of his friends and taking food from their mouth and putting it in his mouth. And, and this is quite bewildering to Brahma, who's known by the name Vidhi, means he very properly conducts himself by Brahminical standards and so forth. And here's a village person who's like um, not conducting himself such and questionable in terms of, 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 of being a, someone that you can learn anything from. And um, so here's, he's the, this, but this is the full picture, face of the object of love in the fullest expression of Sakirasa. And then the coward boys are the fullest expression of the, the shelter, the Vishayalambana, the embodiment of that love. So in order to taste Bhakti Rasa of Sakiras, which is the objective of Brahma, arguably, then he has to become acquainted with these different elements of, the, uh, of what constitutes Sankirasa. He has to locate that rasa hmm? in terms of the, 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 the object of love and the example of the shelter of that love. Hmm? So he's brought in to see that. Of course, he sees their Anubhavs, he sees their Sattvika Bhavs and so forth. Uh, their sunshiny valves, and so now he's becoming acquainted, hands-on, with the ingredients of of bhakti rasa, and it's a little overwhelming to him, um, uh, and and mentally he makes an offense to the form of Krishna, thinking perhaps this is an imposter of my guru, hmm? who looked like this, but he's like this at the same time. Hmm? And this fellow's dressed like my guru, but he's acting in ways that are, uh, in, might be considered unsophisticated and inappropriate and, and not an example, not setting an example as a teacher should. Hmm? <laughs> and so uh, then, of course, Brahma Krishna reveals to him the facts in the Brahma Vimohan Lila, but there is an aftermath of this. And what is the aftermath of this? Well, Brahma has offended the form of Krishna. Hmm? What's the recourse? If we offend the form of Krishna, we have recourse to taking shelter of the name of Krishna because while the name of Krishna is non-different from the form of Krishna, hmm? the name and the named are binatvam namanamino. They're one and the same. But at the same time, there's a difference. What is the difference? The name is more merciful. Therefore, if you offend the form, the name will still stay with you. Hmm? So don't offend the name. Hmm? How then did the name stay with him? Well, we have Brahmaharidas. It's mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam. That Shiva Nichinutam Sharanam, this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes. And that time, Shiva and Brahma also come with him. Hmm? Haridas was an outcast, and um, as such, he didn't conduct himself uh, by um, Hindu standards. Uh, he didn't know the, uh, uh, the language of ritual, sacred ritual, which is in the realm of ritual, which is a kind of a, a meeting place between the eternal and the temporal. And there's a certain language and way to conduct oneself to approach the form of God, Archon. Hmm? Form the deity, right? We don't just walk up to the deity and say, hey, Krishna, 
here's some rice, you know, we say, idam naivi, idam nukleem krishnaya namaha, and so forth. So this is a, a, there's a certain language and etiquette and way to conduct oneself in the realm of, of ritual. And he was unaware of this. Muslims, of course, in India, unfortunately, uh, when they invaded, one of the first things that they did was to, to attempt to destroy the deities because there's a fundamentalist perspective on the Islamic faith that um, uh, the, the perspective is that the form of God has no form. So the, these people have forms of God, they should be destroyed. It's kind of like the, uh, the Christian idea that one should not have, what is it, worship false gods before me. And I think there's a story in the Bible that they are worshiping golden cows or something like that. Um, and that Jesus spoke uh, against that. Of course, this is a misunderstanding um, in that the deity is not an idea, an idol, that not something that has risen out of the fabric of the conditioned mind. It's something that's described in Revelation in the sacred text, where the mantra that corresponds with the form comes from as well. And so, and then that form of God is to be worshipped in a particular way with mantra that corresponds with him and procedures and so on and so forth. Um, so it's not something, it's just not something we've made up and, and, and worshipped. So um, anyway, uh, they were uh, one of the characteristics, and unfortunately, of the Muslim invasion was uh, at, in, on the part of some of the leaders was to defile, the, desecrate the, 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 the deities. Therefore, we find the deities of Vrindavan, Sri Madan Mohanji, Govindaji, Gopinath escaping, right? They're showing that they're not a stone, that they're not, they're not just a mental idea. If it's your ideas coming from the mind, it won't last, that's for sure. Hmm? But these deities, they lasted. Uh, in the face of the, the, the invasion of the Muslims, then they, they created ways such uh, that their devotees uh, would be able to transfer them secretly to, to Rajasthan, to Jaipur, and, and, and so forth. You, you know the, a little bit the history of, of the deities. And some nice stories uh, in this regard uh, related in uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita when Goswami and Mahaprabhu both at different times came to have the darshan of, of, of Gopalji. Then um, he arranged to come down from the mountain, Govardhan, where they dared not tread out of reverence to Govardhan. Um, under the uh, arrangement of the deity, of an attack by the Muslims and, uh, and the deity informing in a dream, the Pujari take me somewhere else and, and uh, to where they uh, took the deity, then Prabhu Goswami and Mahaprabhu were able to have the darshan. So um, these deities, again, they're not ideas coming out of the mind, um, but at any rate, Brahma took birth as a Muslim is the idea. And, uh, in a, in a sect where there's a strong tendency to offend the form of God and there's no knowledge or understanding how to approach that form and behave and conduct oneself um, accordingly. All the different rules and regulations concerning deity worship, you may, you may, may, you may think them to be a botheration or wonder about them, but this is a different realm. This is the realm of ritual. This is the language there. This is the procedures there and so forth. Um, one, should, one should learn them. It's very, very compelling. It's very, very 
spiritually pleasing environment uh, to be within. And of course there, the deity is symbolic. Hmm? I don't mean to say that he's symbolic of an impersonal reality, but it's symbolic of the person of Krishna. Hmm? He doesn't seem to talk uh, for the most part. If he did, he'd be in trouble because then uh, he would ask for so many things that he would have no time for anything else. He's, he's very generous to give you a little, little rope, a little time of your own. Um, but the object here, of course, is to get him to start talking. <laughs> uh, so um, at any rate, Brahma offended the form of Krishna. He was born as a Muslim, but he was born as a Muslim and had the association of Sri Adrita Charja, who brought the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the world. Hmm? He's called Advaita because he took Radha and Krishna and put them together and brought them in one form, Advaita, hmm? non-dual, and who taught the non-dual Achinti Beta Beta philosophy, Advaigyan Tattva, uh, the, the metaphysic of, 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 of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And this person, as he's referred to repeatedly, Brahma Haridas, he became known by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's own um, blessing as the Nam Acharya. So the point is what? That he offended the form, but the name stayed with him. Hmm? And through the name alone, hmm? without even entering into the realm of ritual, hmm? through the name alone, hmm? he became... Um, he perfected his uh, his pursuit, arguably, of of Sakyarasa. It's said that uh, that Advaita brought Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through Vidhi, through uh, Archan, and that Namacharya Haridas, who got initiated by Advaita in the chanting of the name, brought him through through Nambhajan. Haridas throughout his life was not allowed to go into the Jagannath temple. Not that it was right, but by the rules of the, of the time. So again, the, the form, of course we shouldn't offend the form, but if we do, well, we have recourse to the, to the mercy of the name, which is not different with the form, but more merciful. So it just, it's a little bit interesting to note that, that the, the Gopal mantra, the Diksha mantra, and the Maha Mantra that we have both come from Brahma in pursuit as he was of Sakyaras, which he was, which he became uh, perfected in Gauralila as the Nama Charja. Mahaprabhu pointed to him as that person who best exemplifies uh, how to perfect the Japa Yagya. Again, we referred to him earlier, he chanted 300,000, three lakhs, verbally whispering and mentally. We don't know that he wrote it down, but, <laughs> but um, typically in the Premadvani, when we say the prayers after the Arctic, in all that the sects of Gaudi Vaishnavism, you're going to find Namacharja, Haridastakurki, Jai. So, <laughs> so um, that said then, uh, of course, well, maybe to continue on that for a moment, also the Efficacy of bhakti over jnan, over knowledge, with regard to karma is considerable in that jnan cannot remove the manifest karma, the prabhda karma. It cannot, doesn't have the power to destroy prabhda karma. 
um, that has to play itself out. So in Gyan, the Jivan Mukta who becomes liberated from all previous karma or karma that is um, uh, uh, distilling and gestating, or what would be the word, uh, uh, hasn't yet manifest as, as Parabdha, that can all be done away with by Gyan. Avidya is the source of uh, ignorance, is the source of our suffering, the karmic implications. So by Gyan, you can overturn Avidya. Obviously, knowledge is the opposite of, of ignorance. But karma that ignorance is already manifest, already, already playing itself out, well, you have to just wait for that to play itself out. So the Jiva Mukta in Gyan, who was liberated in his body, he will, he will not re- react to the the parabdha karma, plug into it and perpetuate it. You just wait for it to expire and death comes and that's then he's thought to uh, attain mukti. Hmm? Karma's gone. But the efficacy of bhakti is such, as the bhakti nicely explains, that it has the power to destroy manifest karma, parabdha karma. How can you change the parabdha karma of who your parents are, one might ask. Bhakti can do that. It gives you another set of parents. In Bhav Bhakti, you get another set of parents. Gyan cannot do that, just to give you an example. It can give you family, friends, society, and love, all of which is your Parabdha Karma. It can replace it by giving you entrance into Krishna Leela. You have a mother, a father there. In the general sense, we'll accept, like Gopakumar, Yashoda as his mother, who hmm? embraced him as such, as she does all the coward boys, hmm? and then pointed him in the direction of Vishabhanapur, um, uh, Barshana, and where he would reside in, uh, as in, in Radharani's family and so forth. Um, there on that side, we have Kirtida and Vishabhanavaraj. And so in the broadest sense, these are the fathers and mothers, Nanda and Yasoda, Vishabhanu and uh, Kirtida of Braj. And then within that, uh, further details will be the extension, really, of your own bhava in Madhuri Rasa or in, in, uh, in, in Sakya Rasa. So Brahma, uh, Haridas, he showed that by Japa, hmm, which was his constant... Uh, Preoccupation. He embraced this one um, anga, and he became perfect. Right, um, and and we see that at the end of his life, what happened? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu picked up his body and danced with it in his arms. The deceased bodily remains of Haridas Thakur, and then through his own two very large lotus hands, he began at least to dig within the sand and make a, a, a tomb to, to place the body. We call it a samadhi to honor the fact that in this case, Haridas had entered into the, the trance hmm, world, never to come out again. Hmm? And the body was used for that purpose only so it itself that sadaka day is is worshipable. So what Mahaprabhu was showing there is that 
the Parabdha karma of Haridas hmm, was destroyed by Nam, hmm, by Bhakti in a form in the Anga of, of, uh, of uh, Japa or, 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 or Kirtan. Hmm. In other words, his body became worshipable. So it's no longer a body of Parabdha karma. Hmm. So the full efficacy, as I say, of the of the japa we find in in in, in Brahmaharidas, um, and that efficacy, of course, uh, reaches beyond merely the destruction of karma, all forms of karma, including, including prabhu karma. When Brahma spoke the Mahamantra to um, uh, Narad in the Kali Santra Upanishad, he described it as the Taraka Brahmanam that spiritual name by which you can cross over, again, Santarana, Santarana, the Kali Yuga. So you can cross over. Hmm? So Taraka Brahmanam. But this uh, Taraka Brahmanam was embraced by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as we've said. He didn't just make it up, okay? So he's referring to the Kali Santarana Upanishad and to a very central uh, teaching, if you look carefully, you find all the scriptures supporting this, that in Kali Yuga, this chanting is the means and this particular combination of names and Nam Mantra is, is, uh, has the uh, most uh, power, is most efficacious. So Mahaprabhu drew from this and told his followers to chant hmm? in Kirtan and in Japa and and of course, when Mahaprabhu then takes the name, the Taraka Brahmanam, it becomes Paraka Brahmanam. Mm-hmm. So Rupa Goswami has described in Padyavali uh, this Taraka and Paraka in a verse, I believe, of his own, that is a glorification of residence in Mathura. But if you live in the district of Mathura, Maturavas, which is one of the powerful angas of bhakti that he recommends, either physically, live there, or mentally, then uh, in his verse, he uses these two terms, taraka and paraka. You can, it, you, you can be liberated, indeed, it's a liberated place, and paraka. Furthermore, you can attain the preem of, of the maturamundal, of braj. So there's there's the Taraka refers more to removing the negative implications of karma that don't let us cross over birth and death. And Paraka speaks of a positive, um, in the extreme, ideal that to be attained, which is the Prem Purushottam, uh, Prem, excuse me, Prem, uh, um, what is the word? Uh, the fifth goal of life you have the you have dharma artha kama moksha and then praying hmm? beyond moksha salokishasti samipisarupi all these forms of liberation there's uh, five forms that pertain to brahma sayuja or vaikuntha loka but not to goloka that hidden realm not to maha vaikuntha Goloka. There, the, the, there is, there are people in, in Baikunta who have praying, hmm? 
There are people in Goloka, in, in, excuse me, in Baikut that don't have praying. There's different ways to get there. Hmm? By karma mishra bhakti, by gyan mishra bhakti, hmm? in pursuit of the perks of salokya, sarsti, to live on the same planet as God. Sounds like a great idea. I want that. Hmm? There are those who live there that don't want that, but accept that because that's part of being there. Hmm? There are those that have shantarasa, those that have no rasa, those that have dasira, samipya, hmm? attend to Narayan personally and so forth. But beyond this is Golok. Hmm? It looks peculiar to the inhabitants of uh, Baikunda. They have to think of this kind of a quirky side of Narayan that shows every now and then. And not something that they can personally participate in. But there is such a place hmm, that when it can go, it's a hidden place. And Mahaprabhu was taking us there through his conception, the faith that he has behind the name. So it's said that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took the Namsan Kirtan, hmm, which Speaking loudly, of course, in Japa, this is a form of Japa. He took this Namsan Kirtan and he wove it together in a wreath with praying. And this is what he's given to the world. And this is what Raghunath Swami is speaking of when he says, Nam Shrestam Api Sachiputram. He says, My guru has given me the name that behind which. Is the, is the conception of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the son of Sachi, Nama Shrestam, the fullest uh, idea, notion, or the, the, most, uh, the most that can be derived from, uh, from the name. Hmm? It's a kind of a universal Mahamantra. You can get liberation by it. Um, you can, anything can be accomplished by it. But the fullest measure of its, um, what it uh, affords us is the attainment of Krishna Prem. Prem, Krishna Prem in particular. We find, uh, I've mentioned the, the reference to Kali Santarana Upanishad, and there I mentioned another Puranas it's mentioned as well, one of which is the subsection of the Purana, Shiva Purana, interestingly, which is the Sanat Kumar Samhita. And there, there is uh, the, the uh, the fullest efficacy, if you will, of Nam is also, we find a scriptural reference to it in a broader uh, sense. There the Maha Mantra is given and there a Dhyan or a meditation or a visualization to accompany the name is given. It's not Kumar Samhita. And that visualization is uh, um, to visualize Krishna uh, sporting along uh, the, the, the Jamuna or in the cooling waters of the Jamuna or you know, under the, there's a different option, under the shade of a Kadamba tree hmm, in Vrindavan, surrounded by cows, by gopas, accompanied by Radha, hmm, standing in his threefold bending uh, form. So what this visualization the, this, this, this is a seed of, of course, is, the, is there is Krishna hmm, in this particular form in the setting of Vrindavan along with gopas and Radha or gopis hmm, 
So we have now this opportunity of Sakya Rasa, of, of Madhurya Rasa, and the mention of the associates, of course, is very important. Hmm? Because if you want from Nam to get the Rupa, to become acquainted with the form of Krishna, and the Guna, the qualities of Krishna, and the Leela, ultimately, of Krishna, that has to include the Parikar, the Parshan, the associates of Krishna. Hmm? What does Vrindavan uh, or Krishna Das say? Uh, in his Abhideya Sloka, glorifying Radha Govinda. Um, that he, he, he gives a similar idea. Here is Radha and Krishna surrounded by their associates, sitting on a throne, dual throne under a desire tree. And those associates are endowed, right, with a particular serving attitude. Brahma Samhita says, Krishna is surrounded by not one Lakshmi, not, but the hundreds, thousands of Lakshmis. In quantity, the, there's a difference. And in quality, the quality of their service is different. Lakshmi hmm? Special kind of serving disposition. This is re- with reference to praying. So the, 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 uh, the Shiva Prana subsection here is giving some emphasis on the associates who are to be followed, their example, whose, whose ideal we're attracted to. Hmm? That they're loving Krishna like this, they've captured Krishna. They embody that, uh, that power to completely overwhelm Krishna, turn the absolute into, into, into a friend, into a lover, make that all-pervasive, all-knowing Brahman uh, move and dance and appear unknowing. Hmm? As much as the knowing would get in the way of the intimacy and so forth. So this, then, of course, is the farthest reach of the mantra, the Namasrestam that Raghunathas Goswami um, refers to. Um, uh, that, that type of love hmm, uh, that the mantra gives is also sometimes referred to as samartha, competent love. Paraka, um, the word paraka can uh, be thought of as a derivative parayati, which means qualified or more uh, competent. So from taraka brahmanam, a name, conception of the name that delivers one from ignorance, to paraka brahmanam, that has the competence, the power, to overwhelm Krishna in Madhuri Rasa, we have we have Sadarani, Samanjasa, and Samartha forms of romantic love. So uh, Samanjana uh, refers to the it means proper proper love. So the queens of Dwarka have this kind of proper love of Krishna. They're married to him. Uh, there's some formality and so forth. Uh, Sadarani means ordinary. So. This is the case of Kubja. She had ordinary desires for Krishna. She got love for him. But Samartha refers to the love of, of Braj that has the power to completely uh, captivate him, uh, conquer him. And this Kebal Samartha also is a term used by Nanand Thakur to describe the Baba of the Priyasakas. And of course, it would refer to the Priyanarmasakas as well, friends of Krishna. This competent type of love, that type of love with Sakirasa, 
of course, when compared to the love in of Arjun, Draupadi, the Pandavas, Purasambandi, uh, it doesn't have the same power to captivate Krishna as the Vrindavan friends do. So this is the power, the efficacy, the first reach that we find in a Mahamantra given by um, Mahaprabhu. Um, and from that, I think we, we've talked a while, but maybe to say uh, something uh, about the, the names in the mantra. Sometimes people ask, what does it mean? What's the translation? Well, these are just really names of, of Krishna. Uh, Hari is a name for Krishna who steals your heart. It's the favorite name of the Brajbasis of Krishna, uh, some say, he, who, who's, who's everyone, all of whose hearts have been stolen by him. <laughs> That's the reality. So uh, Hari and, um, and Krishna, of course, is a name given to him at, at, at the Namkar and the name-giving ceremony. Um, and, um, and Ram is uh, another name for Krishna, um, who's um, uh, to enjoy love. Um, and so the Mahamant is made up of names of Krishna. Um, Raghunathasko Swami um, has written a book, Sri Harinam Artha Ratnadipika. And there he explains that, uh, that uh, sometimes when feeling separation from Krishna and pining for, meditating on uh, meeting him again in order to free herself from the pangs of separation, that she chants the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So what does it mean? When Radharani is chanting the Mahamantra, obviously all the names, the three names, all refer to Krishna. So what is the meaning? That depends. It has a lot of different meanings. There's also the, you know, the, the, the idea, prasadikas, that the name Hari is also the vocative of Hara, which is a reference then to the, the Shakti of Bhagavan rather than Bhagavan himself. And in this way, it can be a reference to Radha. Obviously, when Radharani chants the Maha Mantra, Hari means Hari. It doesn't mean her. Hmm? But um, uh, some of our founding acharyas have also given this explanation of the name, wherein the name Hari refers to Radha, and this becomes a Sambhog Mantra with a desire to unify um, uh, Radha and Krishna. Krishna being known, uh, identified by his names, Krishna and Ram. And of course, Prabhupada, uh, speaking about this, also said that uh, uh, sometimes that he thinks of the name of Ram as referring to um, Balaram. That's also possible. So what is the meaning? Chant and find out. <laughs> uh, some meaning will come to you. And, and, and chant, you should chant to hear. It's one thing we can have a visualization, like as given in the, I mentioned, in the, in the Samhita. Uh, we see the form of the deity, we can think of the form of the deity and, and chant. Um, and sometimes someone will go over the prayers of Shastakam in their mind while chanting and so forth. And, and there's something to be said for combining Smarnam with, with, um, with Kirtanam, Japa in this case, but um, 
but the the form of Krishna and the visualization that you read about that you will be able to put together in your mind will not be the same as that form and that visualization that comes out of actually hearing the name. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's recommended. You have to absorb the mind. But when you can actually hear the name, then you will see the form in a way that, that transcends or exceeds the ability of the mind to conceptualize it. Because if that form is beyond the limits of the mind to conceptualize. So when we really combine, if you will, meditation with chanting, that is, a, that is a meditation that's a result of the chanting in the fullest sense. There are more, more rudimentary forms of meditation from smarnam to uh, pratyahar to uh, dharna dhyan, druvana smriti, samadhi, jiva goswami has gone through these in, in bhakti sandarbha. Some of them are applicable to sadhana, some are, are a result of um, uh, success or uh, graduating from, like dhyan in the full sense, Dhruvana Smriti, uh, well, Dhruvana Smriti and Samadhi, at least, let's say. These are a result of the uh, of, of, um, effective practice. Mm-hmm. Others can, obviously, to try to focus the mind on Krishna as best you can, we should. But I just want to, and I'll close with this point, emphasize, if you can actually hear the name, just hear the name, with no other thought, then in, in due course, then you will see the, in the mind, that then beyond the limits of the mind, the form, the qualities, and the leela of Krishna will make its uh, appearance in your life. So in this way, um, I hope this is helpful uh, to all of you. The net result should be that you have such a retreat and talks by uh, uh, Swami Padmanabha and others um, and myself um, uh, would be that we are compelled to uh, take to heart the uh, japa of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Mahamantra Kijai. Any any question? Um, before we take a question, can I just make an announcement? Because I, I wanted to have the most number of people on here still. Um, just a quick announcement that on Thursday, it's Ram Nomi and um, Gumaraj will be giving class at 11 o'clock his time. Um, so have to calibrate that or calculate your time to get on and then California time California time yeah thank you um and then Friday evening um Padmanabha Swami is going to start another um series of classes and it's going to be on the Gora Austin Kalia Leela so um that will be starting at 6 p.m in the evening and we'll um, confirm that the class is happening on Shichitanya Sangha. So um, those two announcements I wanted to make. And, and everybody will come back at 4 o'clock this afternoon for the, for the concluding part of our retreat. Okay. Anybody have questions? Kumaraj? I have a question. 
Zumi. Dhanva Pranams Maharaj. I have a question about, uh, and thank you for all your teaching. It's been amazing. Um, chanting with the finger of the ring or the middle finger. So I was told by various credible Vaishnava authority teachers like yourself to chant on my ring finger. But I was also taught by many to chant on my middle finger too. So what are the quality differences in this? Um, not the ring finger. He might I don't remember saying that, but, but the middle finger. And the point is not the first finger, because that's used typically for so many other things. Mm. So, okay, so never the ring finger. Not the ring finger, no. Middle finger and the thumb. Mm. Interesting. Okay. I'm more acclimated towards that. So okay. Yeah, yeah, yes. Thank you so much. And this way we engage the tactile sense, also touching the sacred uh, Tulsi. Thank you very yeah. much. We'll Hello. go with it. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. both. Hare Krishna. And the Vat Pranams. Any other questions? I got a question. I got a question. I just wanted a little bit of clarification. You were talking about Brahma offending Lord Krishna. Um, and of course, the the name staying with him in spite of the the form mm -hmm. departing. So, it, is his um, uh, his offense happened? Is that by stealing the the cowherd boys and the and the calves? Is that how he offended the the form of Krishna? Ramaraj is muted, Archana. Oh, how did that happen? Okay, you're unmuted. As I explained, he saw the form of Krishna dressed as a gopa at the dawn of creation, and from him he received the gopal mantra. But there, Krishna was uh, sitting in a lotus posture and holding his hand in the gyan mudra and conducting himself um, in, in ways that Brahma could relate to in terms of a teacher who should set an example by what they do and so forth. Where we saw the form of Krishna in Vrindavan, Krishna was acting in ways that a teacher shouldn't act. <laughs> um, and, and so he, in his mind, he thought maybe this is an imposter. So this way he made a defense to the form of, um, of Krishna. Then, of course, he extended the offense by trying to kidnap the, the, the calves and, and, and the boys and so forth. But it was his mental idea that, the, that who is this? This is, this, maybe this is an, someone imitating my guru. And in this way, he made some subtle and slight offense to the form of Krishna. What else? Dhanavad Guru Maharaj, I have a question. Okay. You mentioned that uh, there are some uh, people in Vaikuntha who have no rasa. Who would these be? 
Well, uh, Gita uh, Vishnu Chakrabhitakura says that those who um, engage in in uh, bhakti mixed with karma, doing bhakti in connection with things like sacrifices, horse, ashramata yoga in particular, he mentions, hmm, they can also attain uh, bhakti by Kamamisha bhakti. So there's no question of rasa there. Hmm? Um, um, and, and then again, there are those who go there, who have a desire to go there for, for the perks, as I referred to them. I want to, have, I want to live on the same planet. I want to have a body like, like, like Krishna, like, like Narayan. So let's say I want to have Aishvarya like Narayan. I want to have a form like Narayan. That desire is, is such that you're not going to get rasa out of, out of a harboring and cultivating of that desire. Hmm? So you can get it, but bhakti rasa is, 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 at least according to Rupa Goswami's explanation, is a different thing altogether, different motivation and so forth. So it's peculiar, I mean, because we're, we're you know, we're uh, influenced by some scars for Goloka, and that's our whole conception of what, you know, uh, spiritual attainment is like, and and it's a very high ideal and so forth. So when we hear that you could attain Vikunta by lower ideals, it's, it doesn't compute that well, but this is what our tribes have taught. I've recently tried to enter into a discussion with uh, some devotees of the Ramanuja Sampradaya in terms of, so I was thinking of writing a book about um, heaven, you know, the different conceptions of heaven. Um, in this case, by Kunda being the, 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 the heaven of, of the, of, of the Vaishnavas. And um, so the Gaudias have a pretty interesting description of different possibilities in Vaikuntha. Hmm? Living there in meditation, never seeing the form of Ryan externally, only in meditation. Living in Vaikuntha as a, as a meditator. Hmm? Even in Shantaras, the beatific vision with no interest in the qualities, the leelas of, of the Lord and so forth. Uh, different uh, uh, degrees of penetration to transcendence with Samipya being Dasiras, obviously, personal attendant of Narayan, being more um, thought of as more desirable, more elevated than, than Salokya or just to live on the planet of God. Well, you know, it's one thing to live on the planet of God, another mean, uh, live in the United States, another thing to be part of the president's cabinet, you know, or family. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to give that example to help understand, uh, it would, you would think that other than Samipya, the best that you would find would be Shantarasa. And then apparently, according to the Gaudias, gradations even uh, uh, within Baikunta that are uh, lower than that if you will. I mean, they're all perfect in a, in a sense that, but, it, but yeah, you're, you're not going to go to the Goloka like that. So I'm, I, I'm trying to draw from the Ramanujas. What, what is your idea? What, what are the possibilities in Vaikuntha? Hmm? Brihad Bhagavatamra describes those in Dasyuras changing their form, staying in the same rasa, changing their form relative to what may be needed for the moment, for the pleasure of Narayan, appearing as a bird, appearing as a tree, uh, and so forth. Uh, and I don't, I'm not finding that, interestingly enough, the Ramanujas with their focus on Vaikuntha only, 
to the exclusion of Goloka, have as much of a nuanced understanding of, of the possibilities of Vaikuntha as that which we find in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. But I'm still trying to draw out from them something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an interesting book. I mean, The Nature of Heaven. <laughs> that help? Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Yes, thank you. All right. Anything else? Guru Maharaj? Yes. That's in relation to what you answered to, to Brigu. Uh, so you, we could say that for entering Vaikuntha, you need Prem, Vaikuntha Prem, but that not necessarily mean to have Rasa. That would be prem. Not even Prem? No. Okay. Swami says some persons are there on the basis of Prem. Mm. And they accept the perks as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. Some people are there only for the byproducts. So the implication would be that they don't have prem. Mm. They have mukti, mm. but they don't have prem. They've got taraka, brahmanam, and sometimes they chant Mahamantra for that purpose. Mm. So, yeah, very interesting. Mm. Gurubhakya? Gurubhakya has a Guru Maharaj. I, I, we, you were talking about this uh, parabdha karma, and uh, and you were talking about this uh, about how, how how Brahma achieved success as uh, Haridas Thakur, and um, so this means you said that he entered the lila. So, in in is it like uh, and still we have Brahma as the one supervisor, you know, as as the one in charge of the universe, and so. How is that, you know, how do, how, how are we to understand that? Someone else took his place. Oh, okay. Just like the reverse of that, we find uh, Gopakumar took the place of Brahma for a while. Mm -hmm. And then he moved on, right? So. So we've got a different Brahma as a result of Leela, um, Gauralila. Yeah. Yeah, you can... Different persons can attain, can attain the position of Brahma through karma, through jnana, or through bhakti also. But, um, you know, it's a post. So someone can attain a post, some can... Use our particular Brahma is extraordinary circumstances, right? Brahma, Vimo, and Leela, um, and what happened to him, and so forth. So that's part of his trajectory. But even even if and sometimes it's said that if the if the if the post of Brahma is vacated for some reason, Vishnu may take the post for a while until he brings somebody else there. So that's the way to think about it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. So I think we've talked for quite some time. I appreciate all of your uh, presence here and opportunity to speak with you and your questions. And um, I'll. I guess I'll see some of you, most of you, hopefully, on, on Ram Nami next uh, Thursday. Ram Nam Pijay. Hi. 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 Hi.